Uh, well, um, first of all, thank you for having me come out today. It's a, it was uh, thrilling to hear your pastor's call to uh, come and share with you guys again and be able to give him a time away with family. And, you know, that's so important <laughs> for, for leaders. So that's wonderful. And it looks like he's doing a great job here. So it's so good to see all of you guys. Oh, thank you. I can wander just a little bit. Does this one work? Okay, sorry about that. Um, yeah, and thank you for the welcome. And uh, of course, we've you know had such a long relationship here. Some of you guys you know have been here for, forever. I remember Raina and I first came. I think this is the first church we ever spoke at when we began our ministry uh, before any of the children. And um, <laughs> now here they are. There, we have six of them. Our seventh is due in January. And uh, so New Hope has been a big part of, a big part of that for us. Uh, just your relationship with our congregation uh, has been a big support, and you're supporting our ministry and what we're doing, so thank you. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. And let's see, the other thing I want to do before we begin is just to mention our, you know, a little bit about Messianic Judaism. That isn't the topic of our message today, but just so you know who we are. We're a Messianic Jewish synagogue, so I'm the, the senior rabbi at Baruch Israel. Uh, for those of you who go way back, Rabbi Rich has been the senior rabbi at Baruch Israel for 40 years. We just did a transition. I was the associate and um, last January, and now he's Rabbi Emeritus. So he's still going strong and very well, and we have a great relationship, and we're doing things together. So um, Messianic Judaism, we are a Jewish community of uh, you know, Jewish people and intermarried families who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel and the nations. And uh, of course, we call Jesus Yeshua. Yeshua is just his Hebrew name. It means, you know, the one who saves, the Savior. And it's what his mommy would have called him, you know. <laughs> so we, we use Yeshua to bring him back into Jewish space. It's not better than Jesus. It's just how we bring it, bring him home, if you will. And so we say Messiah Yeshua as opposed to Jesus Christ. Same thing. So I'll go back and forth here, but I wanted you guys to know who I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, that's the big thing here. Um, and so, yeah, well, let's, let's begin. Um, if you could open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. I want to begin in Philippians. And I'd like to talk today about God's plan for anxiety. God's plan for anxiety. Yeah, maybe a, a timely message, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Well, I've been praying about what to share today, and um, this, this kind of came, you know, the, as this would be a good theme to talk about. Um, let, let me begin by reading this passage. For context, uh, in Philippians, we're in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the Philippian community um, in Yeshua, the Philippian church, while he sits in prison for his faith. So that context, this whole thing. So let's read Philippians 4, verses 5 through 9. I'll read it out loud. The Lord is near. Not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the shalom of God, or the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Messiah Yeshua. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on 
these. And skipping to the end of the passage, put these things into practice and the God of Shalom will be with you. Isn't that a beautiful passage? I love that passage. Now in the Jewish world we have a a reading cycle. We call it the Parsha. The Parsha is a weekly cycle where we read through the entire Torah, the five books of Moses, over the course of a year. And what's neat is that all Jews around the globe follow the same reading cycle at the same time. And it begins with the Holy Day season and ends with the Holy Day season with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. And so we're just beginning this Parsha series again. And for now, we're in the season of Abraham, the season of Avraham. And it's a wonderful series. We call them Parshot, these sections of readings where we read through the life of Avraham in Genesis. Abraham and Paul were both incredible men of faith. Uh, They both sacrificed everything they had to follow the Lord. They both wrestled with and struggled with the trials of life. And they both were successful, weren't they? So we have a window into Paul's process in what we just read in the whole book of Philippians. His thinking and his teaching through his letters teach us about how he dealt with these struggles and these trials and how he wants us to deal with these struggles and these trials. With Abraham, we don't have that, but we do have his life, the story of his life and how he lived his life and how he trusted and how he walked with God. So what I want to do today is to bring these two men of faith together. And to enter into Abraham's experience. And we're going to frame Abraham's experience with Paul's beautiful passage in Philippians that we just read. as like a practical, hands-on way to deal with anxiety. Okay, so we'll try to make this practical while also entering into Abraham's story. Now, I don't know how your community has been over the past uh, what, 19 months of this whole thing. <laughs> this COVID thing we're in. Um, but these are anxious times, aren't they? They're anxious times. Uh, There's higher levels of anxiety that have become the new normal for people. Higher levels of anxiety. Uh, My dentist told me that he is seeing a significant increase in mouth and gum infections from people grinding their teeth at night, you know, because of the increased anxiety. Um, You know, COVID-related, the, you know, media's coverage, the isolation. We have a culture where people become threats you know, as opposed to blessings in our lives. Um, Political tensions only amplify the the feelings of uncertainty that we have around us. The landscape here becomes a backdrop for all of our own personal struggles that we're dealing with and elevates the anxiety up. So if you're feeling anxious, there's a reason, you know, there's a reason. This is the difficult season we're in. Anxiety is a very challenging topic to talk about, and it's easy to talk about in a light way or a superficial way that doesn't really help very much. Uh, Don't worry, trust God. You know, people, we say that, and it's true, it's right. Who can argue with that? But trusting God in real life circumstances, it's easier to say than it is to do, isn't it? You know, it's easier to say than it's, we need to learn how to do this. We need to learn how. And so my goal for today isn't to cure you of your anxiety. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) You know, the Lord can do that, but my hope is to leave you with a plan or or the beginnings of a plan to to manage anxiety a little better and to encourage you to bring the peace of God a bit more into your life, okay? And the big word is plan. We we need a plan for anxiety. Otherwise, we won't know what to do or where it's coming from. Now, there are two kinds of anxiety that psychologists talk about today. There's specialized anxiety where there's something specific that you can identify and 
you know, uh, in, like, there's this particular thing going on in your life that you're anxious about. That's specific anxiety. Then there's generalized anxiety where it seems to be more deeply seated. It has roots that you can't really touch. They're, they're somewhere you can't find them. And sometimes these things go, to, go together. Now, anxiety and trusting God are closely linked together. They're very closely linked. Trusting God brings peace to anxiety. But the anxiety itself makes it even harder for a person to trust God. Have you thought of that? Anxiety, it's very hard to trust God when you're anxious, but trusting God it really helps, doesn't it? Deep-seated anxiety requires a deep-seated trust. And sometimes it's at levels that are untouchable for both of these things. In the inner healing prayer room, we love to pray through these kinds of things, and Yeshua seems to bring healing into those deeper truths underneath. So I want to lay out three different plans that Paul unpacks here. Three different parts to this plan to dealing with anxiety. The first one is let it go and go forth. Let it go and go forth. That's the first one. Then we have pray, petition, and thanksgiving is the second one. And jump tracks. Let it go and go forth. Pray, petition, and thanksgiving. Jump tracks. So let's go through these uh, from the passage here. So let it go and go forth. The Lord is near, he begins. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, I don't think that Paul is giving us like an admonition. He's not saying you're bad for being anxious. It's not a commandment not to be anxious, that being anxious is a sin. I don't think that's what he's talking about. It's more of an encouragement. It's like you can let your worries and your fears and your anxieties go because the Lord is near. You don't have to be so anxious. I think that's what he's getting at. God has got this. God has a plan for your life. That's the idea. Now, in the Torah, the five books of Moses, or Genesis, the story of Abraham begins, Hashem el Abraham, lech lecha, lech lecha. Uh, The Lord said to Abraham, lech lecha. It's a, it's a famous uh, phrase in the Jewish world. Lech lecha, go forth. Go forth, lech lecha. This is when he calls Abraham. Go forth from your homeland, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land that I will show you because I have plans for you. And then God continues to say to Abraham, my heart's desire is to bless you. And he says that over and over and over. Leave everything you have, go forth. My heart's desire is to bless you. But here's the thing. Abraham wasn't, he wasn't going off to see the world like a young 20-something would be. He was like 75 years old. Uh, he, he was asked to leave his home to wander forever. He through the wilderness. He didn't have highways, you know. They didn't have a GPS. Um, you know, he had no map. He didn't, he wasn't even given a time frame. It'll take you this much to get there. Here's where you're going to stay overnight. Here are your hotels. They're already booked. Everything's lined up. No, go forth. Go. Now, can you imagine the conversation with his elderly father? You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to survive? Where are you going to go? <laughs> you know, he says, I don't know. He has no worldly assurances, and yet he goes because the Lord has a plan, and he's learned to trust the Lord. He learned to say yes. Abraham had to let it go. It's, it's a great phrase. He had to let go of his need to control his circumstances. He had to let go of his need to know how it was all going to come to pass, to let go of his need to know how he was going to eat where he was going to go, who he was going to meet along the way. He just had to trust God's plan. You see, I think God did that on purpose. 
so that he could learn to trust him along the way. Uh, last year, my son Haim and Lev, these two boys here, we took a backpacking trip on the Appalachian Trail. We love to do this as a, as a, it's a kind of like a family thing we love to do. And we had a plan to, we were driving up to the Berkshires, and we had a plan to leave the car at the end and then, uh, you know, find a way to get to the beginning. Uh, we we're going to use Uber and then uh, hike from here back to our car. But we were running so late, a couple of things happened, and the sun was going down. We found out that Uber didn't exist out there in this area. And so we had to get to the beginning, and it was like, if we're going to get to the woods before the sun goes down, we just got to park the car and go. Okay, so then I had three days to walk through the woods with these guys and, and deal with letting go of my worry and concern about what I was going to do with these boys when we got here and had a 45-minute drive back over here without a car when Uber didn't work. And I didn't feel like we should really hitchhike like I did in the older days with the kids. So it was like, well, okay, what are we going to do? So it was a great opportunity to trust the Lord. You know, do you remember we talked about this along the way? Because, you know, I was just processing my anxiety out loud. But we had to trust the Lord. And the cool thing was we, we got to the end and we circled up and we prayed for God to give us a way and provide a way to get back to our car. And we just started walking down the road. And there was, I mean, it must have been 100 feet down the road. There was this, um, uh, it was like a trail maintenance with teenagers uh, establishment that was there. And they had a big 12-passenger van sitting there waiting. You know, I mean, it was there, and there was a guy who was there. Hey, you guys need a ride? And, you know, like, well, take us over there. And so, you know, we got this, we got a ride, and we got back to our car almost immediately. And it was just a small example of how we had to just let those things go. And then we were able to experience the Lord's blessing in this time. And it turned into a moment of faith, you see? So the, there's an ancient... The ancient Jewish rabbis, okay, the sages, the Jewish sages, <clears throat> they loved to wrestle with the Torah. They would take the text and draw lessons by filling in the missing gaps. You know, movies do this. They fill in gaps that aren't in the Torah, you know, aren't in the Bible. The rabbis did this too. And they call it midrash. It's a, it's a kind of literature. So in the midrash, they asked this, why did God not reveal where Abraham was going? And the midrash says, in order to make it more beloved in his eyes. And to reward him for every step that he took. You see, every step became a blessing for him. How many of you have been in a journey or a struggle where you felt like you were maybe called to be there? You, you were there, but you couldn't see the other side. Probably all of you could raise your hand. <laughs> you can't see the other side. Uh, perhaps we don't see the other side in order that when we get there, it would be more beloved in our eyes. So that we could be rewarded on the other side with God's blessing. Every step of the way. The Torah says that Abraham trusted God and it was credited to him as righteousness. His trust was credited to him. Listen, for God, our trust is more important than some of the other things we worry about. What he's doing in our hearts. He received, Abraham received this blessing that he would not have received had he not let it go and trusted the Lord. Now, planning is a good thing. Uh, be intentional. We, we live out our values, that's what planning is for, to set your course and walk in the Lord's way. But planning should be a tool that we use to follow the Lord, not the assurance we have to feel peace. Planning is a tool to follow the Lord, not the assurance we have to have peace. Do you see? Planning prioritizes our life so we know where, where, where the Lord is going, and that's where we have to seek Him. 
not something we rest on. If you lean too heavily on your plans, it leaves less and less room for God to work in your life and the journey. And then we never really learn how to let go of the need to know the outcome before it happens. And then this leads to tremendous anxiety in life. God's plan is always better than anything we could plan for anyway, isn't it? When it all comes to pass. I think that letting it go and go forth is a skill. It's, it's something that we need to learn. It's something that we need to practice and, and exercise in our life. It doesn't come naturally. You know, in addition to being a dad, I love to work with parents. That's something I love to do. And when you're dealing with a child who is struggling with anxiety, a lot of kids struggle with a lot of anxiety. Would you guys agree? It's all over the place. And when you're dealing with that, the first steps are not actually to deal with the anxiety at all, but to help the child to, to develop an internal sense of obligation. The, the, the phrase, I need to, needs to become louder than I want to. You see? The sense of obligation. And the reason is that it develops the thought patterns or the, the character to let their own agenda go in order to follow God's agenda later on. That's the whole point. You see? And, and you need to develop and cultivate that muscles, those muscles in children. And it's the same with us. We need to develop these muscles inside the ability to let go of our own plans or in our own agenda and our own way of seeing the world in order to say yes to God's plans. You see, it's the same thing as a child who has to put down, you know, a toy that they're playing with in order to say yes and come to mom. It's the same thing. Put down our plans in order to say yes to God. And it's a, it's a plan for anxiety that we create. We can do this ourselves as adults. Uh, you know, consider how God told Abraham at 90 years old to circumcise himself. I mean, think about that. I don't know, there were no anesthesiologists back then. <laughs> you know, I mean, gosh, he had to give up his own agenda to follow the Lord's instructions. Uh, even more, consider the inner turmoil that Abraham must have endured when God asked him to take his beloved son, the one that he had just promised him, and, and, and take him to the altar and kill him. I mean, gosh, that's not even with God's character. Uh, you know, he had to do the unthinkable. He didn't even tell him where to go. He just said, go and you'll find out when you get there. You see? But he knew. He knew that Avraham would say yes. And when Avraham said yes, God was able to come and rescue Isaac and then bless Avraham again. Avraham, that's his Hebrew for Abraham, he was successful because he learned how to say yes to God's plan for his life and let go of his own expectations and his own desires and his own plans. It's really important. And the key for dealing with anxiety is that we have to develop these same kinds of thought muscles to let uncertainty and worry go in order to follow God's plan. Okay. Now, if you have not strengthened this, we'll call it the let it go muscle, right? Then you might get stuck on dwelling on something. And you know how anxiety works? Some of you guys who are, have experienced this. One worry leads to another worry, which leads to even worse fear. And soon you're in a full-blown panic attack because it's like everything keeps growing. All the different what-ifs keep growing and growing and growing. And then generalized anxiety comes in and you have a low-grade anxiety that manifests in stomach problems or sleep problems or other areas down the road or whatever. So look for these opportunities throughout your day to practice this skill to become a let-it-go master, a let-it-go artist, if you will. You can say, I don't have to be in control because God's got this. 
I just need to know the next step. And then, like Abraham, your trust opens the doors for the Lord to bless you. He can bless you at this time. Isaiah 40, verse 31 it's a beautiful passage. Those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar with wings as eagles. They will run and not go astray. They will walk and not be faint. Those who wait or trust in the Lord, we might say, are those who can let go and put their trust in the Lord, not just, not just by saying they do, but with putting their real worries and their real life concerns. And those are the people who will soar like eagles. God is good. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He's near. You don't need to be anxious. So let go and go forth. So this takes us to our second uh, step. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. This is really important because the Lord knew that we have legitimate cares that need addressing. He doesn't just want us to walk blindly through life. You see, he knows that we have cares and concerns and things that weigh on us. And so our Philippians verse continues, but in everything by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the shalom or the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Messiah Yeshua. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, these three. Now, over the course of Abraham's journey, he has dozens of significant encounters with the Lord. You guys have read, read Genesis, right? He's continually... Think of the prayer life that he must have had to be able to hear from the Lord with such clarity. You know? But, but Abraham has low points as well when he does not trust the Lord and he has no encounter with God during those times. If you read carefully. Do you remember when Abraham hands his wife Sarah over to the Egyptians? You know? Eh, it might have not have been the best thing to do. Um... How about when he gives up on God's promise and goes to Hagar to father the promised son on his own because it had taken so long with Sarah? Can you guys relate to that? It isn't happening. Maybe I missed the ball. I got to go do it, you know? Um, what about when Abraham and Lot couldn't get along so well so that they separated? You know, was that in God's plan? Well, when we go our own way, we go astray. But what happens is, when we don't take the time to take everything to God in prayer, then how will we know what his plans are for us? And how will we be able to uh, see the larger map that he has for us and what we're supposed to do? Having an active prayer life means that you're constantly turning things over to the Lord. Now, there are three specific parts that Paul's giving us in prayer. Prayer, what's maybe seeking the Lord's plan, petition, asking him to act, and then thanksgiving. Three different parts. <laughs> Prayer is, let's call that the taking the situation that you have, what's causing your anxiety, and the expectations that you have, and asking him to speak to you about it, to give you insight, to give you wisdom, to give you direction, to give you peace. And this involves listening. So this isn't just talking to God. This is spending time with him, listening to God. This is a key part of an anxiety plan. Petition. He wants us to ask for the specific things that we need. The desires. But like what it says in James, when we ask, we shouldn't doubt. We should ask with an expectation that he will answer our prayers. Or that he already is answering our prayers. That he can affect the situation. That it's within his desire to do so. 
Thanksgiving, we bring every request before God. We're grateful because we know that he'll already act. Thanks, when we're thankful in prayer, when we're anxious, it shows trust. You see? Because it trusts that God is going to act. And then that peace comes that will protect us and guard us in Messiah Yeshua. And anxiety has to go if peace is present. This is a plan for anxiety. It's very practical. I've struggled with anxiety, and I found a tool that really helps me to take the things that I'm, I'm, I'm doing. Maybe we'll have time to try this. What I like to do is, is you've you got to have a, a daily time with the Lord. Do you guys have a daily time? You have to have it. First thing in the morning, it, it, it's got to be there. I don't know how you can deal with anxiety without it. I'll just tell you that. You've got to have time with the Lord. And, and during that time, it's really great to sit. I love to do this with a cup of coffee because I love coffee. But you just, you just sit there and, and be still. Don't meditate. Don't pray. It's just, you know, maybe good morning, Father. And you just sit and be still. I love to have a journal. Now, if you're like me, what happens is all kinds of different things pop up in my mind that I'm worried about. Um, and I'll go off on tangents and things like that. That's fine. What you do is I, you just write them down in a list. It's just a, a technique. And these are the things that become your prayer list. So I think if I'm being still and ask the Lord to just be with me and all kinds of stuff up, come, that means that those are the things that I need to take to the Lord because we're supposed to bring all things to the Lord. So don't worry about those things in your prayer. Write them down and these are, these are going to become your prayer list. And then what you do is after you've done this, however long, five minutes, ten minutes, it can turn into an hour, uh, but you're, you're with the Lord and then you... Take a, a minute or two or five minutes. Sometimes I like to use a stopwatch even. And just pick the first thing on your list. And listen. Sit and listen for a minute. For two minutes. And see what the Lord might say. You write down anything that he might say. Giving you, asking him for insight about a specific thing that you're worried about. Then take another minute or two after that. And use it for active prayer. Use it to talk to him about what you need. Talk to him about what he's doing. Ask him what he's doing in you through this circumstance, you see? You know, and then you add gratitude into the mix because you trust that he's working with you. It's a great formula. You know, it's just a tool, but it really works because it structures it down so you can actually take everything that you're worried about and go through this process with each thing. And you'll find over time, not only will you have insights from the Lord and direction that you wouldn't have if you just sat and worried about it all the time, but he'll also start to act and you'll see changes in your life and peace will come. Peace will come. So, prayer. Seek the Lord, petition, act, thanksgiving. Okay, number three, jump tracks. This is our third step, jump tracks. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any virtue and if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Put these things into practice and the God of shalom, the God of peace, will be with you. Most anxiety plans don't include this part. They say, well, go pray about it. Pray about all things and you won't be anxious. Well, there's another part to this, right? Which is, which is jump tracks. Think of it like this. Imagine your, your stream of anxious thoughts are like a railroad track going like this. And you're on it, okay? Now that you've let go of control, you've let go of where you're going, the future of the track. You've sought the Lord in prayer. You've talked to him, you've asked, you've listened. Now you jump to an entirely different track going an entirely different direction. You jump tracks. Okay, it's a very intentional, very practical thing to do. Philippians tells us to dwell on things that are true. So you don't dwell on the things that 
you're anxious anymore. <laughs> you have to learn to not dwell on them. You jump over here and you dwell on something else. You can't just stop thinking about it. You have to add something new. That's what Paul's telling us. Dwell on these things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are worthy of praise. You see, what, what are all these things? The, what God is doing in the world. What God is taking you in the world. Those are things that are lovely. You see, dwell on his plans. And you have to practice this. I'll bet Abraham had to jump tracks a lot in his wandering through the desert. He had to wait a lot. You see, they have social media and all the phones and all that stuff. I mean, he just had to sit and wait for long periods of time, years, you know. And, and he didn't have any kids. He was promised a son. He didn't have any kids for years. You see, he had to wait and wait and wait. And there was a battle. And the moment he would start to go down the anxiety track rather than jumping back over to God's plan track over here, what happened? He slept with his wife's handmaiden to have the son. Right? I mean, this is what happens when we're anxious. We feel out of control, so we feel that we need to act, and then we often act urgently so that we can take back control, but we're not acting with God's plan. And sometimes we need to act. Sometimes we need to solve a problem. I, I actually think that God gave us anxiety for a purpose. It's intended to tell us that there's a problem that we need to act on. So anxiety has a purpose in your life. God, God created anxiety, I think. It, it, it's a purpose. It says it's like a flag, like touching a stove. There's a problem. You need to do something about this problem. But so often we feel anxious about things that are not actually within our ability to control or our ability to change. And we can do our part and we can pray, but we have to leave it there. And then the anxiety gets out of control. You see, and that's not God's plan for anxiety. And, and so often... What happens is we encounter problems that are, they're just too large. They're just too large for our own circle of influence. I mean, you can't worry about the world's problems all the time. You can't. But I think sometimes we feel like, like guilty for stop, you know, it's like if we stop worrying about the world's problems, it means we don't care about the world. That's not God's plan. He didn't tell us to worry about the world's problems. You know, worrying can sometimes seem like the next best thing to action. If you can't act, what do you do? Well, I'm going to worry. You know? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. You know, we feel like we're acting on the problem by rehearsing all the what-ifs and what-ifs and what-ifs and what-ifs. And, and then we're solving it and we're getting ready and we're getting prepared. You know? Uh, we're, but what happens is we just practice fear. We practice anxiety. And then it becomes chronic and it becomes addictive. And then what happens is you need a little bit more fear in order to keep up to date on the latest fears. And then anxiety becomes a panacea itself, where fear itself seems to be the solution to the problem. This is an anxiety problem. This is not God's plan for anxiety. God's plan is to let go of our own agenda, to let go of our own plans and to seek him and his plans. And once we've done that, his plan is to wait for God to give us a new solution, to seek him in that solution and then his plan is that we jump tracks and we dwell on what he's doing and we let it go that's his plan when we demonstrate trust by dwelling on things that are true and lovely and honorable it's wonderful words worthy of praise we're saying the lord's got this when we make choices not to endlessly worry and rethink and relive our problems it demonstrates great trust in the lord 
And we need to learn to jump checks quickly to return to something that's lovely. So a little bit of anxiety, great. Put it on your prayer list. Pray about it. Talk to the Lord about it. That's great. Then jump tracks. It's done. Move it off. Pray about it tomorrow. It's very difficult to do. But this is the plan. This is God's plan. And in the moment of anxiety, it is very difficult, I understand, to dwell on something. And that's why your life already has to be filled with these things. You see, how can you dwell on something that's lovely if you don't really know what lovely is in your life? And a lot of people in this world don't know. They don't have lovely things that they, they have in their life. But it's not because the Lord hasn't blessed them. It's because, it's because they never dwell on them. <laughs> they never live in them. They never see them. You see? And so we have to train ourselves. Uh, Paul is very adamant about this. We have to train our minds to jump tracks from the fear and anxiety track to the purpose in the kingdom of God track, if you will. This actually fits really well with neuroscience today, too. I kind of like to, like to look into those things sometimes. Brain studies tell us that when we repeat thought patterns, it strengthens and builds a new way. But then you can actually change your neural pathways by rethinking and practicing new ways, and it makes that way easier, and you go that way, and it becomes stronger, and it becomes the natural way, like changing the course of a, of a river or something like that. You see, it changes our personality. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. This is not passive. Paul did not say, trust the Lord, sit back, pray about it, you'll be fine. He didn't say that. Take every thought captive. Dwell on these other things. Get rid of that stuff. It takes work. You might have an inventory, uh, you know, especially in this season. Is your life filled with things that are true and commendable and lovely and worthy of praise? Invest your time here. You know, what, what do you fill your souls with? I mean, that's a really important question. When you first wake up in the morning, what, what do you do? Most, most, we all struggle with this with our phones, don't you? You get, wake up, look at the phone. You know what I mean? Or check the news, you know? Uh, what is it doing to your soul? I mean, seriously, you've got to think about these things. What is it doing to your soul? What is it putting in your soul? These little deposits that are going to be in, inform your choices later on through your day and through the years of your life and 20 years from now. I mean, I mean, what are you putting in your soul? What are you doing when you lie down to sleep throughout the day? Is it God's word? Is it his truth? Is it his promises? Is it his work? Is it his worship? You know, these are things that our attention must rest on. You see? These are things that must be so much bigger in your life than media. I'll tell you. So much bigger than shows. Paul concludes his message in Philippians with this, this passage. In every in any circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. I have learned the secret of contentment. He, he wasn't born that way, okay? He, I think Paul was actually a real anxious guy, uh, you know? He has learned the secret of contentment, and then he shared that contentment with us in his letter. Now, I've been talking for, about God, you know, managing fear and anxiety and trusting God in an individual way. But his plan doesn't stop there. <clears throat> Might he not even start there? As a church, you see, as a church, as a community, you must work to trust God as a community. 
It's a very Jewish idea. In Judaism, it isn't individuals make up communities, but the community makes the individual. It's a different look. It's a biblical worldview of community. So you guys are informed by you guys. You guys are informed by your collective community. If you allow it to be this way. And, and so you need to hold each other's hand. And you need to pick each other up. And you need to help each other to jump tracks. And pray with each other about your issues. And bring each other together. So that together you come before the Lord. And together as a community. You focus on what his plans are for you. Not only you as individuals in your life circumstances, but, but focusing even bigger on, on his plans for you as a, as a community. What is he doing in your community right now? Focus on that. Spend time with each other. Get out of your world and be in each other's world. When Paul writes his letters to us, in our, in our individualistic society that we have, we read them all about us. But the you in Paul is very rarely you. It's usually a bigger communal you. The Philippian community. You see, that he's telling them to do this. And we embody this as a community. And then as individual members, we draw life from that. And it makes these things possible. You can't, have, you can't be spiritually mature alone. That's not the biblical way. It's with each other. So the Lord is the Lord. His plans will come to pass for those who love him. He will give us his plans. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you here at New Hope. He wants to bless us at Rook Israel. That's his desire for us. Uh, and he, you have this purpose in the kingdom of God. And all this anxiety, all this stuff, it just keeps us from getting up and going. Like Abraham did. So we need to let go. Give it into God's hands. Go forth. We need to seek him with prayer and petition, move to thanksgiving, jump tracks, and look to the land that your Father in heaven is giving you, a land of blessing. See? And then, as Paul says, the shalom of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Messiah Yeshua. So, thank you for having me share with you guys today. I hope this has been helpful. Uh, do we have a minute to do that? Do you want to do that prayer exercise? How are we doing on... Would that be okay? Let's take a moment in prayer. And I, I just want to give you this opportunity because it, it's such a cool thing to do. If you have a, a notebook or something like that, you can use it. You don't need it, though. Um, just don't use your phone because then you'll get distracted. <laughs> so what I want to do is I just want to take a minute. I'm going to pray. And we're going to take a minute of stillness. Just stillness. To be in the Lord's presence. And during that time... Just pay attention to what kinds of things come up for you that you might be worried about or anxious about. And if you have something, you can write those things down, just a word to remind yourself. If not, then just kind of make a mental, mental note of it. And let me begin in prayer. Abba, a Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a God of peace and not a God of worry. Thank you that you have plans for us. Thank you that we can trust your plans, even if we can't see to the other side of the wilderness. And Lord, we just ask that in this moment of silence, this moment of just being with you, that, that everyone here would sense your presence. And if there are things that you'd like for us to just bring to you, that you bring those things up.
Okay. That was a minute. Now, did that feel like a long time or a short time to you? Short time, yeah. A minute of stillness. It's very difficult for, for some in, to do, really. Uh, did you guys get some, a sense of some things to, you know, things kind of pop up and this and this and this, and you go this way and that way? Okay, that's great, that's great. So now we're going to take another minute and take the first thing on your list, let's say. Um, or if there's something that's really weighty that you have there, choose that. And we're going to take just another minute. And this time it's not just stillness. This time it's you, you're just listening to the Lord to speak to you about this particular topic. And maybe he'll speak to you uh, in one way or another. Maybe it's wait. Maybe he won't. It, don't worry about that. Don't pray. I know that's weird for me to say. Don't pray. <laughs> just, just listen. You see? Just listen. Okay? And I'll just begin... Father, we just ask you to come. We thank you that you are a God who answers our prayers and desires to speak to us. You're talking to us all the time, and sometimes we just have to turn the knob and quiet the static a little bit to hear you. And so we just pray that you would, you would reveal your plans, a sense of your peace, a sense of who you are in these struggles. Okay. Now let me ask you, it's a little risky to do this. How many of you guys, did any of you guys feel like you heard something from the Lord during this time? Mm-hmm. A number of you guys? Yes. Yeah. It's amazing um, when we do this, even with teens at camp, we'll do this exercise. And uh, I just want to share one uh, quick story with you. Um, it's, it's happened so many times. There isn't like a particular person, but there's... Uh, um, we did this exercise, and I will say, okay, you know, how many of you heard from the Lord? And usually half the group might raise their hand. And um, I remember calling on one particular boy, and he said, well, I don't know that I heard from, it had to do with his grandmother dying or something, something like that, he was worried about. And, and he said, I don't think I heard from the Lord. I just felt a lot of peace. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> you just heard from the Lord. You see? Don't underestimate peace in your life. So take those things, even if it's peace, or if it's weight, or, or if, it's, if it's nothing, if it's just stillness, and, and take those things and, and write about them so you have a record. I love to do that. And now let's change. Take the same topic, but we're going to take one more minute and actively pray. This is the petition part about this particular thing. So maybe you're, you're praying about what he spoke to you, the sense that you had, your, uh, if you didn't feel like you heard from him, you're praying about 
you know, that he would act in this situation or that he would speak to you about what he's doing in this situation. And so you're taking your concerns to him. So let's do one more minute. Ready, set, go. And Lord, we just give you thanks and we give you your praises that we thank you for the things that you've spoken to people here today. Thank you for the, uh, for the work that you're doing behind the scenes. Thank you that even if someone here didn't feel like they heard from you, you're still doing something. You're still working. You still have a plan and a purpose. It just may not be the time. And we just look to you. We thank you for getting us through the wilderness and through to the other side even before we've gotten there because we trust you and we know that you will. Help us to dwell on things that are lovely and noble and good and holy. To dwell on your plans. To be synced up with your scripture and your Torah and your word and to know how you think and what you do and to know what you're doing in the world. And instead of focusing on the world's problems, we'd focus on how you are the solution to the world's problems and what you are doing in every aspect from the global things in our lives to the very focused, small, particular things and concerns that we have in our lives. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. Do um, you guys want to hear a song from Rain and the Kids? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> so we have a short song. We, we have a tradition of coming to New Hope and doing music from the early days when Rain and I first came, do you remember? I didn't bring my trumpet this time, but we thought we'd, we'd keep that tradition going, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, backup singers. many of you know the ancient Jewish prayer um, that is from Deuteronomy 6. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we have a song, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, that we, we, there's a new version that we really love um, to sing together. So... 
Yes, right. 